0: Welcome to the Andy Social Podcast, my name is Andy Dowling, and did you know you can get anti-social t-shirts, that's right, right from my store, over at antisocial.net, you can click on the links over there and you can buy the Antisocial Classic Design t-shirt in black and white variations. Once they are sold out, then I'll get some new merch in there, I've got some ideas, but um, I've got to scrape together the coin, you know how it is. Uh, but go over there, antisocial.net, go and grab a t-shirt, um... I'm sure a lot of you guys see when I send stuff out, I usually include something really stupid in there. I've got a whole pile of old school NBA basketball cards and I've been putting them in, in some of the orders that have been sent out and some other crap in there that I find laying around the house. But I've started to run low on the NBA cards and I thought, hmm, I need, I need something else to throw in there. So I got something made up. Now I won't tell you what it is. Um, but I've got a lot of them and I need to get rid of them and it involves Mark Furtner. And if you know Mark, he plays in Lord with me, and um I like to take the piss out of him. So I have something that relates to him. I have not told him. I have not shown him. There's one person that knows about this. Actually, there's two, because I had to c- include my wife. But there is something... Oh, anyway, just go and order a T-shirt or order something from the uh Andy Social Bandcamp page. So you can just go to AndySocial.net and... uh <laughs> Wait and see. Um, if you get anything off my Discogs page or my eBay accounts or, um, hell, if you order something from the Lord store, I'll throw it in there as well. It's all coming from my place. And I've got this box of stuff that I, <laughs> I just, I made too many of them, but, um, I've got to get rid of them. So help me get rid of them. Go and order some stuff. AndySocial.net, Lord.net.au. By the way, I play bass in the Australian metal band Lord. Did you know? And you can go and order some stuff over there. Um, or you can go to my Discogs page by searching Andy Dowling, or you can search for Andy Dowling on eBay as well. Far out. Plug, 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 spam, spam, spam. Moving along, I also host the Self-Starter Podcast. If you're into small business, self-employment, or freelancing, you can go over to selfstarter.com.au, or you can search for Self-Starter on your preferred podcast player. I have a whole bunch of blogs and fortnightly podcast episodes I was a finalist for the 2018 Australian Podcast Awards for the Self-Starter Podcast, which is pretty freaking amazing. Uh So you can go to selfstarter.com.au and go and check all that out. And thank you to everybody that is supporting that podcast also. Now, each and every week, I have a shout out, somebody that I say thank you to that has supported this podcast in a whole range of different ways. It could be leaving reviews on Facebook, Apple Podcasts. It could be on Stitcher. It could be somewhere in the deep, deep, dark web internets, whatever, forums, anywhere and everywhere. It doesn't matter. Um, it could be buying t-shirts. It could be uh, leaving really positive comments, because I, I prefer positive ones over negative ones, um, sharing them, tagging mates, doing all the social media love, whatever it is. It all goes a long way to uh, push this podcast, push everything that I'm involved with, keeps me motivated, keeps me driven, keeps me happy. It all comes together. So each week I say thank you to somebody that has done something for me and uh, means a hell of a lot to me. So this week's shout out, this week's thank you is oh get get ready for this. You know, you, you guys know my pronunciation is shit. So here we go. This week's thank you is for Thor Halkus. I've got that mucked up big time. Thor is from Norway. Thor has been supporting me and the band Lord for so long. I think I've sent a whole bunch of t shirts his way um over the years and uh he's so and I think he I'm pretty sure he's uh got a anti social t shirt. Um he likes a whole bunch of stuff on Facebook, um and he's listening. And if you're listening now, I'm so sorry, Thor, for butchering your surname. And I must say, and I'm pretty sure I've said it before. Best name in the world. So good. And I'm sure Mark Fertner would agree because he's a he's a bit of a fan. So there you go. Uh, Thor, please send me a message. It can be on Facebook. It can be on Instagram. It can be on Twitter. It can be via the contact page over at andysocial.net. And I'll send you out something cool from Australia to Norway. And maybe it's one of those things that I mentioned earlier as well. But thank you so much, Thor, for your ongoing support. It means a hell of a lot to me. Um, so, yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. All right. This week's episode is with an old mate. An old mate. Uh, it is my friend Hayden, and I met Hayden uh, in Brisbane. And he played in a band in Central Queensland called Enlightened by Darkness, and uh, moved from Rockhampton down to Brisbane. And we played a lot of shows together. And uh, then he moved over to Perth, and he is now a comedian. And he goes by the name of Douglas Harvey. And I'll let Hayden explain that and the whole thing behind it, uh, but. Absolute legend, a really really funny guy, um, always cracking jokes. But man, you have got to hear this story. The what he has been through over the last several years is so intense and crazy, and just you won't you won't pick it, you won't pick it at all. So I'll leave it. I'll leave it to him to explain it all. Um, you can follow Douglas on. Let me spit this one out on Facebook uh, by searching. Old Mate Douglas or just Douglas Harvey on Facebook. So, uh, Facebook.com slash Old Douglas. Um, he's also on Instagram, Old Mate Douglas on Twitter, Old Mate Douglas. Um, and also, and I almost forgot to mention, uh, he's also got a podcast and it's called the Hypermanic Noise podcast. So you can go to hypermanicnoise, N-O-I-Z-E dot com and, uh, you can check out all the episodes that he's put up so far. I've been on there. Woohoo. Um, and a whole bunch of other really, really cool guests. So he's doing, uh, his own version. And, uh, he's doing his own podcast over there and it's just really, really good. And, um, I've got nothing but e- encouragement and excitement for what he's doing. And, uh, it's cool to, to hit it from a comedian's point of view and a metalhead's point of view as well. So very, very cool combo. All right. Enough of me. Everything that I mentioned and everything that we talk about will be in the show notes over at AndySocial.net to make it nice and easy. To, so don't worry about taking notes because I know that everyone that listens to this podcast takes notes. <laughs> so, uh, AndySocial.net, all the show notes are there, but please enjoy this awesome episode with Hayden. Aka Douglas Harvey. Good morning to you.
1: <laughs> yeah, I haven't gone to bed yet. Oh, to you?
0: <laughs> well, when nah, I fuck it, when I asked you the other day, I thought, oh, might be a bit of a tall order to get you get you up Saturday morning to have a chimwag. I thought, oh, might have been. Well, it got it a bit. to
1: three AM, and I thought, well, fuck it, let's just push it through, you know.
0: <laughs> and it looks like, and, and after after we chat, I mean, you're you're still you're still going. You're not going to go and have a snooze.
1: No, we're going roller skating of all things.
0: Yeah <laughs> did you, did you ever go to the roller rink in Rockhampton?
1: <laughs> did I ever? Yeah. <laughs> I spent many uh, many a night there. Yeah, that's listening a- to um, fuck, what was the song? Bam, 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 you, bam, bam. Oh yeah, but yeah. That was always on. Yeah, and um, that sweet
0: dreams song as well. I don't Din, remember that. Din, 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 sweet dreams. Oh, okay. of me. like the one that Marilyn Manson did, but uh, it was like a different version. Anyway, that's something that was pretty good that's for,
1: um, for doing some cool moves.
0: <laughs> I could. I couldn't skate. I was one of those losers that like clung to the edge <laughs> of the 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 out outer perimeter of the roller rink. So, uh, oh, yeah. yeah, so no, nah, I wasn't, I wasn't, but I wasn't very good at many things, so, you know.
1: Well, see, I didn't know you back then. There's a good chance I bullied you as a child. Then. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: well, what school did you go to? Did you go to Frenchville or something like that, or? Yeah, I did, yeah. Yeah, that's right. I remember that. And I was Park Avenue. So, yeah, there was a, a rival school. I think we were more, I think we were the scummiest school if we were going to compare uh... the two schools. I think Frenchville seemed to be in a, well, at least location-wise, it seemed to be in a nicer part of... North
1: Rockingham, yeah, yeah, definitely, yep. yeah,
0: yeah, and Park Avenue it's, was just scummy.
1: Yeah, it was like it was like the slum that had a, a working toilet, kind of thing. <laughs> like, yeah, it was still shit, but comparatively, it wasn't so bad. Yeah, and then the high schools it kind of got a bit more rough all the way around.
0: Well, we <laughs> had, we had we had the local bottle shop that was almost across the road from the from the primary school, and then uh, yep, good. And then we had a we had a guy that used to hang out in the corner. Um, wearing a trench coat every morning just happened to be exactly where all the kids have to walk past. So he was there for a few weeks until eventually he got moved on. So I remember yeah. mum wouldn't <laughs> let us walk to school. She's like, no, nah, I'm going to drive this. So I was like, oh, there you go. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So good times. Park Avenue, PA, what? PA. Okay.
1: Oh, so, yeah. That, that ad still runs by the way. They haven't updated oh, it. Oh, really? <laughs> no, it's still going.
0: I've got to, I've got to go back to Rocky just so I can watch that. <laughs>
1: Oh, there's another one, uh, Mr. Schneider's Carpet Cleaning. That ad's been on for about 40 years. Oh. And um, yeah, the kid, there was a baby in it, and he's now about 35. <laughs> and yeah, still going, still. Pushing the same message of clean carpets and shit. Well, uh, if, it,
0: if it's not broken, don't fix it, you know, so...
2: Well,
1: yeah. it's inspiring, really, isn't it, you know? That's be it. a good guy for your podcast, someone that's stuck it out for 35 years and done it all with one shitty commercial.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, business must be good enough that he can afford to still pay for the for the rate on TV. Mind you, it's probably gone down over the years as less people are watching it, but... Um, you know, yeah, well, I, well,
1: also, I mean, it's one of those businesses, like, there's always going to be kids dropping shit on the carpet, so you're kind of locked in with a steady client base. That's
0: it. That's it. It's something that's just not going to go away, is it? Dirty people.
1: <laughs> no, they're fucking everywhere. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, speaking of uh, podcast guests, um, I'm officially calling this podcast Part 2, of our conversation. Right. So part one is uh, already up and running. It's uh, been up for about a week or so on uh, your podcast. So Spam, Spam, That's Spam, right. uh, the Hypermanic Noise podcast. So you can go and check that out if you want to listen to some dribble in
1: part one. And it's uh, had the biggest numbers for any episode so far, man. So thank you. It's been awesome.
0: Oh, no worries. I think uh, I think it's just your... Your your consistency that's just brought those numbers in. Everyone's finally just decided now. Episode twenty every episode twenty six. Now this guy's legit. He's actually stuck around. I was I, I thought he's going to pike it after twenty five, but now that he's put twenty six up. He's uh yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll actually yeah, tune well, in now.
1: People have been asking for a hot blonde for a while, so I think it's worked.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right, Fair enough. I'll take that. Um. So yeah. So people can go and listen to part one. So we won't. And try and rehash over too much stuff, but um, I've got a straight off the bat, and I'll I'll do yeah. plugs and everything beforehand, so people can go and find all your yeah, stuff. Yeah, and everything. Good. But um, I'm pretty sure I know the answer, but I'll let you answer it for me. But so you've got an alter ego with your comedy act. <laughs> Why have you got two different names? <sighs> Are you trying to separate it just so you can you're not incriminating your uh, your your normal sort of name and just trying to keep everything separate, or is there a is there another yeah, hundred percent oh, okay. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, that's all it is. Um, I go by Douglas Harvey with my stand up because I work at a school and a lot of my, uh, material might not be appropriate for some of my students. So, <laughs> uh, it, yeah, and, um, the Douglas thing, that actually came about. I've always, I've always been called, hey, I was always hating Douglas. Mm. Um, but the Douglas thing, one night we were all fucked up and, um, this is before I started stand-up. I was just ripping on people, and one of my friends looked at me and said, oh, look, fucking Douglas is here. I'd never been called that before, but it just stuck, and ever since I've been Douglas. So um, when it came time to choosing like a, a nom de plume, so to speak, I went with Douglas Harvey because Harvey's my dad's name, yeah. and um, dad's a bit of a sociopath, and it sort of <laughs> suited my act. So I thought, fuck it, that'll work.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's all, I mean, as long as you got a story behind it, you certainly do. So that, that certainly helps. But I mean, Douglas, was that just a random name? Like, you know, just people calling yeah. someone like, like, you know, what Brad and, and the guys have over, over your way with Gary, you know, Gary Good you know, sort of.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, it was, was just, just um, that- my mate Twiggy, he plays in this band, Balloons Kill Babies. They're an awesome instrumental band. And we always used to get fucked up in Rocky. And, um, he came to Perth and we did the same. And he just said, "Fucking Douglas is here." When I started being a muppet, and uh, it just seemed to fit, and it seems to fit with all my horrible materials. So, I thought, fuck it, you know, don't I, don't really want any problems at work.
0: <laughs> I remember when I was a when I was a kid, and I was starting to get in like heavily into the NBA, and I was trading cards. This was Park Avenue days, and um, we used to have this running joke. I don't know how like a, a kid in like grade two or grade three just would think this is funny, but we had this alter ego, this person that doesn't exist, but we would always blame that person. If, if someone, if something happened or something went wrong, we would blame this person. And, so <laughs> the, and the name was John Barry because it was,
1: Oh dude. Okay. Tell me. And then, cause I've got a John Barry story as well. Oh geez. All right. So,
0: yeah. so there was two things to this. Like it was, Somebody came up with this name. I don't know who came up with it, but we thought it was hilarious because it was two first names as well. So we, yeah, just, yeah, so we yeah. thought you can't trust someone with two first names, which I've, I've held on for the <laughs> rest of my life since then. So I've got a good mate, Andrew Craig, who plays in a yeah. bunch of bands over here, on, over, over East. And um, I always give him shit and just say, I can't, can never trust you because you've got two first names. And, yeah, I'm, um, I'm with you there. And then one day someone came into school and had a basketball card that actually said John Barry. And it was a guy... I don't think he was ever, like, you know, an amazing player or anything, but he played for, like, the Milwaukee Bucks or something like that. I remember holding this card, and it was like I was (laughs) in in an episode of The Twilight Zone. I couldn't understand it. I couldn't get my head around it. I thought somebody had actually created a card off the back of our joke. I thought we were the first people ever to have, like, the name John Barry. We just thought it was the most hilarious thing. So whenever somebody – like, we'd be in class, and the teacher would yell out and go, who did that or whatever. Someone would go, John Barry. And so it it would just be this – ongoing thing. It was just hilarious. But, um, yeah, just going like alter egos or different names. That's, as soon as you said that, I thought, oh, that's that sounds like my John you Barry know, story.
1: You know what's funny? At our school, John Barry was a weird guy who used to go around town and sniff people's bike seats.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe, maybe the person who came up with that name actually knew John Barry from, <laughs> from your side of town.
1: <laughs> Fuck if I know. Maybe, maybe we, like, um, you know the movie It? Maybe all of the kids kind of just... Willed John Barry into existence.
2: Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's no.
1: funny because, um, yeah, John, uh, we used to do the same thing. Oh, good one, John Barry. Like, <laughs> it was just. For some reason up there, that was one of the fucking things he used to say.
0: Wow, maybe it was just a maybe it was just a North Rockhampton thing. Maybe, maybe, maybe John Barry was like the most famous name that just got thrown around in primary at primary school level or whatever. So, uh,
1: um, well, I had a conversation with someone from Gladstone, and they had stories of a John Barry as well. So, wow. I wonder if it's like the Candyman or some shit.
0: Ah, oh, okay. So we might have to to, to uh, start up a separate investigation and just like open I think up. so. It's like a cold case. <laughs> go back, <laughs> and-
1: <laughs> John Barry
2: Files. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Might- <laughs> oh,
0: yeah, I, I didn't. I wasn't expecting it to go in this direction straight away. But anyway, um, <laughs> all right. I'll put that to the side. Um, so. I first met you when you were playing in Enlightened by Darkness up in Rocky. Um, you guys were coming down and playing shows in Brizzy. Um, you know, a lot of stuff in the music scene. And, you know, we've got a lot of mutual friends, um, especially sort of Briz metal days with the old forums and, and all that kind Good of stuff. Good old days. Yeah, yeah. And um, but then a few years back, you made the decision to start comedy. And yeah. you like my segues here, how I'm like just working into this. But
1: Oh, it's beautiful. I'm yeah, loving it. I'm yeah. a bit I'm a bit erect, to be uh, honest
0: with you. <laughs> <laughs> Another unexpected response, but very <laughs> um, Yeah, so I mean I know a few guys that have I think metal's a weird thing because it's 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 got an eclectic bunch of dudes anyway. And there's so many sort of personalities and weird people from different backgrounds and and all sorts of different experiences, and you've got a lot of like really funny guys. And metal's sort of like that that weird sort of genre of music where you've got this two ends of the spectrum. You've got guys who just love metal and they love listening to... to to music and all the different variations of it, but don't take it a hundred percent seriously. Like they take the piss and it's very, I guess it's very Aussie as well to take the piss. But then you've got the other end of the spectrum who are just like a hundred percent dedicated and ultra serious. And they usually, I mean, it's not, there's, there's a smaller amount in Australia anyway, compared to other parts of, of the world. But, um, there's just so yeah, many guys sure. that just take the piss. So it's like almost this natural thing. So I've seen a few guys sort of had a stab at comedy and I thought, oh, it's not that uh, it's not, that surprising like it's it's something that seems like semi-natural but i mean what was the what was the catalyst for you to go oh fuck it i I think i'm funny enough to like (laughs) get on stage and start doing comedy
1: oh it just i mean it's it's like um i've got a really short story that's boring but then the interesting story is really fucking crazy but that's what ends up with so basically people were telling me i was funny forever you should do stand up and then i moved to perth Um, This was even back in Queensland. Uh, I moved to Perth where they actually had open mic nights. And um, in 2010, I tried to write some jokes um, and was writing a few, uh, but I didn't actually start comedy until 2013 because in 2010, um, as I was writing these jokes and getting ready, one of my friends contacted me on a Sunday and goes, hey, man, I've got something to tell you. And I'm thinking – Cool. This could be an interesting story. You know, he's not someone to come out with one of these sort of weird statements. I thought maybe he's fucked a ladyboy or something interesting. <laughs> and I thought, you know, this is going to be cool. I'm going to get something good. And he goes, no, I've, um, oh, uh, I, I tried to kill myself the other day. I'm like, fuck, man. That's terrible. He goes, yeah, my missus and I had a suicide pact. And I went, oh, okay, is she all right? And he goes, no, she's dead. <laughs> and I was like, oh, uh, um, not the story I expected, but then he goes, yeah, um, he, he'd taken her life because she'd asked him to and all this sort of stuff. And, um, so this is like 2010, I'm getting ready to try stand up. I've moved to Perth to start my life over. And then my van gets destroyed in a hailstorm. My great aunt dies. I'm behind in my mortgage. And then this happens in the space of like five days. Um, so I'm sitting there talking to this guy, like, what the fuck do you do? You know? And, uh, and, yeah, know, I thought he was tripping because he's the nicest guy on earth. But actually, turns out this chick had asked her ex to kill her. She would asked family members to kill her. It's one of these fucking, like, um, you could write a law and order about it. Yeah. It's just, it's awful. But anyway, yeah, he told me what he'd done. And me being a sensible adult, my housemate got home. Well, firstly, I told my first housemate, and he turned around and said, I'm way too high for this, and walked into his room. <laughs> no. I thought, uh, Thanks, man. Very helpful, because I was way too high for it, too, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Then my other housemate came home and said, do you want a tab of acid? And I'm like, well, I'm feeling pretty low. never had acid. Will that help? And he said yes, (laughs) and I trusted his judgment. Um, I did the same with ecstasy. Never had that before. Again, I trusted his judgment. Probably shouldn't have trusted his judgment. Uh, Stopped believing in God that night, and then I ended up in the funny farm not long after. But because, you know, flown back to Queensland and, like, recording tap phone calls to put one of my best friends in prison and all this sort of shit, and then, you know, me being somebody that doesn't like to dog their friends, um, fucking hated myself, and then, yeah, here I am in the funny farm, lost my house, my car, my job, and all of a sudden, you know, this new life that I was starting in Perth has just gone to absolute shit, and that's uh that's, that's where... Like, I had to get out of that shit before I could tell that joke that I wrote, you know? it's it's, it's a, Sorry, man, I just sort of went running there, but it's a real fucking weird story. <laughs>
0: man, like, what were you doing writing, like, you know, chicken crossing the road jokes before all this happened? <laughs> like, <it's just> like <laughs> oh, I've got these really simple, like, you know, light-hearted jokes, and then suddenly, bam, like, just everything just comes crashing down.
1: Yeah, well, I've actually turned this into a bit, funnily enough, because it doesn't sound funny, but when I get into the nut house, like, you can't... Fucking Jesus, man. If you don't turn that in, into comedy or something, it's going to drive you nuts for the rest of your life because it's... um, <laughs> Yeah, it's everything you'd expect it to be. <laughs>
0: well, I mean, I'm pretty ignorant to it. I mean, I just see, like, I mean, any stereotypes I'd have just of off those sort of extreme cases in the movies and whatever. But, I mean, you don't have to sort of dig into detail. No, go nuts. Well, honestly, well,
1: what man, I, like? I, I... Well, I like... Being open about it because people don't know, and I feel like it does break the stigma a lot. Yeah. Um. Most of the people in there are just pe- normal people with problems. Yeah. Maybe they're going through a bad breakup. Um, you know, maybe they've got some sort of health issue. Maybe th- things aren't good with their husband. Whatever it is, it's just some sort of normal shit that um, and they just don't know how to deal with it, and they need a bit of extra help. But oh, I don't even know if it's most, maybe half of those people, and then the rest are people that are just there until their next Centrelink check,
2: hmm.
1: um, people that are in there because they're meth addicts and it's free food and board, right. um, people stealing shit, um, assault, you know, just all this stuff's going on around you while you're trying to get well. It's really uh, <laughs> really counterproductive. That's the nicest way I can put it. Um, my room flooded with sewage. There's this, like, guy that was out of his fucking mind that I'd just come in and be sitting on the bed playing guitar, on my bed. Um just weird shit people were fucking in the bed opposite me
2: oh.
1: like <laughs> it's it, it is what it's and this is you know my lowest point in my life like let's go there to get better and that's what you're surrounded with <laughs> i mean
0: it's it almost sounds like you're going to prison in a way like it's just like this this confining yeah,
1: yeah. place like just
0: oh like, full on yeah. um how long are we there for
1: Oh, well, over a span of 12 months, it was 12 weeks. So it was sort of like roughly four week stints. Mm. I'd go in and out. Um, yeah, man, it's, it was weird. You know, the first, when I first went in there, they, um, took me off all my medication and I went into psychosis, which I've never experienced before. Mm. Uh, that, and that presents in really odd ways. So (laughs) for me, every time I saw a reflection, it was my dad looking at me. No. And it also didn't help that, on top of the the dealing with the murder stuff, they're like, oh, tell us about your childhood. And they dug every issue up in my entire life and then put it in front of me as well. But that's another point. That's the ineptitude of the fuckwits over here. But yeah, every time I saw a reflection, it was dad looking at me. And um, for a couple of days, and it freaked me the fuck out because I wasn't sure if I was me or my dad, which makes no sense at all. Mm. But that's how much these chemicals had fucked with my brain. So it's almost and, like, um, it's almost
0: like coming like cuz i once again i don't know jack about this sort of stuff but is it sort of like you know almost like a withdrawal symptom like your body's just like sort of it's 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 built up a tolerance for whatever you've been putting into your system and suddenly it doesn't have it anymore it's depleting your system so your system's sort of reacting in yeah. in a negative way because it's not no longer getting or it's, it can't rely on this stuff anymore
1: yeah true yeah that's right and um all of the stimulus i was having was talking about a murder and then all of the other, you know, life issues that were being brought up, um, as well. So then, so I'm in there, um, you know, I'm losing my house, got to go bankrupt. Um, just, you know, the whole world fell apart. And then my cat, my housemate's supposed to look after my cat. She went missing. Just, it couldn't have been (laughs) more of a clusterfuck. Um, but yeah, so, that was sort of over that 12 months, you know, they were trying me on different medications. I put on all this weight. Um, the last time I was in hospital was roughly just before a year um, before the first time. And they took me off all my medication at once. And I lost, it was close to 20 kilos in about three weeks. Wow. I was that sick. Oh. And the guy's like, it's like coming off heroin. I said, well, why didn't you fucking wean me off it? Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah it's, it's fun, fun and games, man. And, Sometimes I sort of just babble this shit because it's so normal to me at this point, but I forget that this isn't normal. Um, well, especially sort of, I don't want to seem blasé about my friend taking someone's life um, because it's the, it's, it's the single most defining moment of my life. Um, that thing, because I had to appear on his murder trial as the key witness, like a whole lot of shit. I'm not, I'm not, um, you know, sort of, Making light of it at all. It's just, I've had to deal with this and talk about this so much now um, that it, yeah, it sort of just fucking flows.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, everybody gets impacted by an event, you know, just any type of like intense event. And not it's not necessarily just the pe—the peop- the direct people involved, it's everybody else that's sort of, you know, loosely connected or has some form of, you know, minute involvement on the outside. And it's just, you know it drags people in and so people are that's where like you know things such as PTSD and all that kind of stuff kicks in and and causes all sorts of dramas because everybody mm. already has whatever else they're dealing with and then it comes down to their own makeup and their own environment and all that kind of stuff and then you throw an additional challenge on top of it and for some people you know they take it in this stride because they probably don't have a a lot of other sort of friction in their life and then other people that that could be the that could be the last thing that just tips everything over over the edge and i mean i think a lot of people to you know having to work through like pretty intense stuff and people deal with stuff in all sorts of different ways you know so mm. you know and yeah. for for some people the, the the best thing to do is to talk about it and talk about it in a way without restriction and without putting the taboo around it which you know I mean you would have come from a background similar to mine where certain things just don't get discussed and it's just not it's just not the way that you do it you know and certain Yeah things and stay, if you're on
1: medication you're weak and all that sort of yeah, stuff yeah
0: Yeah all those stigmas yeah. and uh and so you know it's I think it's very healthy for people to be very vocal about it and be honest and, and put themselves out there. And, um, you know, I, I totally, without me ever going through anything like that, it's so fun. Um, <laughs> I, I do, I do understand sort of on a, on a, in a general sort of concept of, of how that could be beneficial for you and why, why you sort of have got to this point now where you can say it in that manner without it being overly yeah, mentally and-
1: intense for you. But even just as a person, like, I can look myself in the mirror and say, I did I did everything to help my friend. And basically, my friend was very unwell, um, and so was she. They were living in isolation and taking a lot of drugs. And this was something she'd been banging on about forever, and he finally got to a point where he did it. And even when he was telling me what he'd done, he's saying, I wish she didn't have to go. Like, mm. to, he didn't want to do it. So it was a horrible – and even – even the fucking guy that was investigating the murder for the cops said normally we're high five and but this is just one of those cases where nobody wins
2: yeah
1: and um it just sucked to be in the middle of that you know and it was 4 years later that the trial was um the trial happened and i memorized 45 pages of his confession because um we were talking back and forth online when he initially told me. Mm. So I had it word for word, and I felt it's my duty as a citizen to fucking know what's on there. So I legitimately memorized every word of 45 pages, and that, unfortunately, I've still got that in there, which mm. a lot of it's not very pleasant. Um, and a lot of it I've never told anybody except the police, you know, because it's no one else's business. Yeah. But, um, yeah, through that, it's funny. I met my fiancé when I was in the funny farm right okay so so this is in 2010 yeah um she her brother had died and you know she was going through some shit of all the places in the world to meet somebody we met there and she's the best best thing that ever happened to me so it's weird how the world works man if I hadn't gone to the hospital on that particular day I would have never ended up in that ward and I would have never met the love of my life so obviously I'm not happy that any of this happened but I actually it, it came I Came out of it with a fiance and a career in stand up. So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> who would have thought, eh? Hey? But I mean, that, they're the things that you got to cling on to. I mean, you know, for 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 certain people, they'll they'll find every every reason to continue digging a hole that they're already in, and they won't yeah. try and find a way to get out. And it's not not so much about consciously trying to find a way out, but it's 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 just trying to work through it and go. Well, there's certain things out of my control, and I can't do anything about A, B, and C. However. What's, where's the silver lining in this? And it might be the tiniest, tiniest thing where it's so trivial, but it might just be enough that keeps you going. And for you, I mean, obviously two major positive things that have come out of it. And if that, if that helps you, which no doubt it would um, justify and further justify some of that, you know, trauma and, 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 you know, really sort of tough uh, point in your life or period in your life, um, then yeah, absolutely. So it's like anything, you know. You just, it, you know, whether you're having sort of a really sort of trivial, uh, trivial level shit day, and just you know you're in a bad mood or whatever, or you find yourself in a situation where. You know, the cards have been dealt against you, and it was completely out of control, and you, you, your first reactions to say, well, life's unfair, and blah, 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 it's like, well, hang mm. on, what, what, what am I getting out of this? And sometimes it might just be the fact that you're experiencing it, and you're experiencing something that you've never experienced, or most people would never experience, and then it's just taken, yeah, yeah. It's a bit of a growth growth period. So, yeah, man, that's... um. That's pretty amazing to have – and not, they're not just two little things, two little positive things. They're two major things. And, you know, that's 2010. We're in 2018 now. So the fact, um, you know, it wasn't, wasn't just a, a quick fling and, and just a a, a, <laughs> a a glimpse or anything like that. I mean, you're still together, and that's, that's fantastic.
1: Yeah, and uh, it took it, – it, I mean, she went through some – and her brother was so close to her, and he died in a car accident, and she'd been through a lot of – you know, was in an abusive relationship. And it was awful – it was the worst time we could have met, but it all all came out roses. But, like, so I, I'm the last time I'm in hospital, I was in Brisbane, um, and uh, I went to the hospital there because I had more family close by, and Steve Hughes, metal comedian, was mm. performing the day after I got out. Mm. So I went and checked him out and sat sitting there in the audience, and I went, you know what, I'm going to fucking try this. I'm, I'm actually going to do this. So I wanted to do it. And in my mind at that point, I'm still running out of shopping centers because my anxiety is so bad. But it was, to me, it was not only I want to be a comedian, which I've always wanted to be, but I want to prove that I'm not fucked and that I'm not like those other Muppets in that nut house and that I'm going to be somebody and make something of myself. So to me, it was more of a challenge. Like, all right, you're going to get up there and you're going to do this because that means you've beaten these demons kind of thing. Might sound a bit wanky. I
0: don't know. No, not at all. But how how long after you know sort of your last your last hospital visit versus like that first time you actually got up on stage doing an open mic? Oh, that or whatever was a was. couple of
1: years still. Yeah. yeah, two and a half years maybe. Yeah, and was that because I? Was, yeah, sorry. Go. Sorry. Oh, I still had a lot of therapy and fucking. You know, I've got still got PTSD. There's certain things that yeah, like yeah, weird weird things that set me off and. um there's a lot of shit like that, man, and you're just other stuff growing up that I want to talk about. But the good thing about stand-up is these, all of these painful memories, I can frame them in a weird way, and now I can not only make myself laugh about it, but everybody else. And it's a really good coping mechanism. I actually don't know how other people deal with their problems anymore because <laughs> if you're not doing stand-up, I don't know how the fuck you get it out. <laughs> well, it's
0: pretty. I mean, pretty cathartic, no doubt. I mean, just to be able to. I mean, that's that's one of the – the most powerful things you can do is try and find humour in a situation. I mean, obviously, you know, we were talking just saying before about finding the silver lining, but part of that is is also trying to find some level of humour, and it might be, it might be totally inappropriate, um, or it, it might be just sort of really sort of a, like a light chuckle or something like that. But I mean, that sort of takes the edge off what can be quite quite intense. So, I mean, yeah, that's it. To, for you to sort of come and, you know, we we're talking about this last, last time we were chatting, you know, about, you know, the whole music background and the DIY aspect and, and having to be yeah. forced into so, social situations because you just got to naturally hustle. You don't have a record label. You don't have all these people doing things for you. And you've got to get out there and put yourself in front of people and market yourself. And, and I think that those sort of qualities come, as an added strength for somebody that's going to, you know, stand up in front of people and and tell jokes or tell or talk in general, you know, it's it's just a and and then obviously having having the additional hurdles that you've had, um, <laughs> it's 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 helped as well to to combat some of that stuff.
1: Yeah, but it's um it's it's I don't know, man. It's the worst and best thing that ever happened to me because I'm such a stronger person and I'm a fucking better person. Of You know, I'm not religious anymore. I lost all that through it. it was, you know, it's weird. It was a trial by fire, but I'm glad I did it.
0: Yeah, man. I mean, you, you mentioned before that, um, you know, that, and I'm not going to dig too deep into the into the whole sort of trial stuff because, you know, there's obviously sensitivities around it, but you said like it was like four years before the trial actually went ahead. So, yeah, man. so that, took, sort of, that sort of lingered yeah. over you for that that period of time as well.
1: Yeah, a whole four years. I didn't know when it was coming. Um, and at the trial, I think the mo- one of the yeah the most defining moments for me was I met the guy's mum, mm. and she came up to me and said, "Look, if, uh, thank you. If you hadn't done what you did, um, no one would know what happened, and my son would be dead." Mm. And when she said, and she gave me a big hug and when she said that, I was like, "Fuck!" And all that. That was the one one of those moments. You know, we're also I think anyone listening to this will feel the same. We get so down on ourselves immediately want to call ourselves a piece of shit. I know for me, if I leave my towel in the bedroom when I'm going to the bathroom, I'm like, are oh, you fucking idiot? But <laughs> We just need to be fucking nicer to ourselves. Yeah. Oh, yeah and that cool. was one of those yeah. moments where I was nice to myself. And I thought, you know what? Fuck. I went through all this to help my friend mm. who'd done the wrong thing, yeah. but I need people needed to know what really happened. I'm a good person and no one can take that from me. And, that's kind of what i've walked out of this with is that hey i'm i'm a cunt sometimes i'm rude sometimes i'm an asshole sometimes i don't do the right thing all the time but if push comes to shove i know i'm not a bad bloke and i think that is a lot of people don't have that intrinsic sense of self-worth and it took me to go to hell and back again to get it but it's in it's in every one of us man anyone listening fuck you worth it just just be kind to yourself. We got a bit of
0: a we got a bit of a culture in. Oh, well, I'll just focus on Australia because I won't I won't bring anyone else under, <laughs>
1: under the bus. But, I mean, but <laughs> we've, we've got, got enough problems. <laughs> yeah,
0: well, I mean we got we've got a level of self deprecating humour. You know, we we always take the we we sort of we're modest and then we've also got the tall poppy syndrome thing. So when anybody starts to do something reasonably good or achieve something, then you've got your mates or you've got the people around you that cut you back down to size, bring you back down to earth, mate. You're not, you not as good as you think you are. And there's that sort of all this ingrained stuff that just has been sitting there for, for generations where, you know, you are really sort of praised for being, well, it's, I would say modest, but it's not even modest in a in a positive way. It's it's like you fly under the radar, mate, and you don't boast about anything that's good. And so for people, you, it's far more accepting to, to to shoot yourself down and and say, "Well, yeah, no, nah, I'm not pretty shit at that." Or you know, I'm not, you know, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not the best at something. Or no, nah, you know, and just and you just you dig into yourself, and even mentally, like without even verbalizing it to people, it's just it it feels more. I don't know. It feels more comfortable to, to, to go in that direction. If you start talking yourself up, even internally for yourself, you start to go, Oh, you fucking wanker. <laughs> yeah. You know, who do you think you are? And, um, yeah. and it's, and it's so dangerous. It's so damaging, you know, because, you know, some people might only have a, a little you know percentage of that and they just deal with it every once in a while and other people that's in their entire world and they never do anything they never never take a step in in any direction because they're just so hard on
1: themselves yeah yeah
0: yeah it's full on yeah
1: it's it, it's sad man um but we all i don't know but it's that's also what i love about australia especially hanging around comics we just rip the shit out of each other fucking <laughs> relentlessly. And the most fun is when we have a roast and it's only fun when it's someone I know really well, Yeah. but we are fucking brutal and it is so much fun. But at the end of it, we hug and we know it's all, you know, it's all in love. I know what you're talking about though. It's that genuine, like what we were talking about on my show.
2: Yeah.
1: When I got the um, support for Brian Posey and everybody had a go at me for the way I got the way I got it. Mm. Which was by bringing a quarter of the audience. Work that out, but anyway. Yeah, absolutely. um, Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I I think um,
0: those roast battles remind me of like, you know, MMA, you know, UFC kind of stuff, where it's like it's this (laughs) it's this intense period of vulnerability where you're just you're putting yourself out there and you're ready to be assaulted, but then at the end of it, you you shake hands or you hug it. And you realize that there's a, yeah. there's a, there's a level of respect there where people have, you know, like for a lack of a better term, a safety net there where they know that, you know, we're, we're going to get into like a really sort of vulnerable and, and like semi dangerous area where we're, you know, we're digging at people and we're digging into things that people would normally, you know, put a barrier up to. Um, and we work through that, but we've got a level of respect for each other that we know where, where our limitations are as well but you really push it you push it as hard as you can and um yeah i mean i i couldn't think of anything i mean apart from apart from getting punched or kicked in the face i couldn't think of anything worse than think going through a roast battle i just thought oh man like i don't want <laughs> i don't want to realize the realities of what everyone thinks of me <laughs> so, well yeah.
1: yeah it's it's humbling because i i um had to do i think six of them for the fringe festival. And I've put on weight, and I was going out one night, and I said, oh, I'm so fucking fat. And the missus being the lovely girl she is, says, oh, you look great. What are you talking about? And I said, babe, I appreciate it, but I'm about to do six roasts, and every one of those cunts is going to point out how fat I am. So... I love you, but I know you're lying. <laughs> but I appreciate that she tried, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's right. She
0: had good, she had good intentions.
1: <laughs> yeah, but it wasn't going to undo all the emotional damage of all those rows.
0: <laughs> oh man, yeah. No, nah, that sounds that sounds absolutely terrifying. Um,
1: it sucks when you don't know the person because basically, then you're just bullying them. You feel like a schoolyard bully, and it's not fun at all.
0: Yeah, I I don't know. Like, I, maybe. I can see both sides because, I mean, if it's somebody that I knew and I got roasted by them, it's sort of like they they know, they know you more. So, like, it, it almost, it could potentially sting more. But then again, if if you're already on stage with somebody that you know and that you're roasting each other, then you've probably already taken the piss out of each other that many times already that there's probably nothing sacred anyway. You're probably way past that. So, it's probably not that much of an issue. Whereas a stranger, you just, you don't know what's going to be unleashed.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I did go dark once. There's this one guy over here who I'm I'm not very fond of anymore. He's been quite horrible to a few friends of mine. Um, I had to roast him, and I said, uh, let's call him Bob. (laughs) I said, um, um, what did I say, fuck Bob? Uh, Bob's a shitty comedian, um, but he uses comedy to pick up lots of attractive... I know he's always he's always something about he's always cheating on his wife with lots of attractive men. And but whatever I did, I dropped "men" at the end of it, so it seemed like I was just making a random joke. But I was actually outing him as a cheating piece of shit. And um, all of the guys on stage looked at me like, "Oh, you can't." Because they all hated him too. (laughs) Is
0: is there there rules in place? Is there like sort of a universal set of guidelines that come down to like a good roast? Like as far as, you know, for for a really good sort of thing, is there some limitations that people put in place or is it sort of...
1: Like I'll say to someone, is there anything you don't want us to talk about? If they have kids, if they have some sort of medical condition, um, and anything else is fair game.
2: Yeah. All right.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> shit myself just thinking about it. Um, oh, I, I,
1: like I've got told I looked like um, like, the the pedophile that used to be in the fat cat costume, and <laughs> just yeah, awful shit.
0: <laughs> That's so bad.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's rough.
0: But as you said, like it's so. I mean, and this comes down to anything and what you've been through as well in the past. It's like. How do you, how do you frame it? Like, what do you, what's the perspective of all this? And for you, I mean, you, you said it before, you know, it's, it's humbling, you know. So if anything, you, you become more resilient and you, you get thicker yeah. skin and you realize that there's, there's a separation between sort of surface, surface attacks and, and really deep, you know, malicious types of, you know, attacks as well. So, you know, you, you know what to sort of take in your stride and laugh it off and, and what's actually going to really sort of, uh, really sting.
1: Well, the good one, we actually work on roasting each other as well. So we'll, I will work on roasts about me with people. So I'll I'll help them and then they'll um go away and make it even better. <laughs> so we actually make it so that our roasts are against us. But we make it so that the roasts against us are more powerful too because we just want it to be funny. We don't yeah. give a fuck who they're laughing at.
0: Just completely shock everyone. Just take it next. Level. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Like if, if ever there's racial jokes, Nazi jokes, um, abortion, any of that shit, that the roast is when it's going to come out. It's uh, yeah, if it, that's when people get upset.
0: Far out, full on. Um, I read online. I didn't realise this until I just did. Uh, you know, my my last minute cramming of getting some some facts and stats together. But you did stand up for Black Dahlia. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I I know that you've done, because I think you did, um, you did some stand-up oh, did you, for um, Storm Rider a couple of yeah, years ago. Yeah, when more. you
1: guys headlined, I did, yeah.
0: Yeah, but I mean, I'm just trying to envision stand-up, and I've, I've, I know that there's been big stand-up guys that have done stuff like at Wacken and, and these European yeah. festivals and everything, but... To get on stage as a support act and do stand up where you know punters are in the crowd and they're they're pissed and they're rowdy anyway and they're normally expecting a, another band to get on. Um, how did that how did that go down?
1: Um, well, with that particular gig, we had a side stage with the comics on, so people ah. in the break could come in. Yeah. Um, but in, I've done heaps of metal gigs now, and it's good because it's like in a comedy in a comedy club. You've got to be a bit more subtle, mm. but in a room like that, I'll just yell out, oi cunts. <laughs> We're trying to tell jokes, shut the fuck up or go outside. <laughs> and they're, they're usually pretty cool about it. Yeah. But, but I love the fact that you can just talk to them like that. And, um, we've had a bunch of, um, you know, people have asked me to put together comedy lineups for metal gigs and the comedians love it because the metal crowd, they don't get uptight about shit, mm. um, and as as an audience, I mean the gigs we've done, a lot of them are like mini festivals, kinda of like Storm Rider. So people have been drinking for six straight hours and they still gave every act a good two minutes of grace. And then if they sucked, then people started talking, but fuck, that's anybody. That's yeah. any crowd. Yeah. yeah. Um but yeah, all the comics love doing metal gigs. It's kinda sort of a, a generation back there was a, a bunch of comedians that would say, Oh, fuck doing bands, fuck doing gigs with bands. It's the worst. There's a story of a comedian about 10 years ago getting bottled at a metal gig here. Um, <laughs> whoops. Ugh. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Must have had a bad gig, but I, I don't see that at all. They're, most, they're my most fun gigs. Love yeah. it.
0: I mean, it, it, makes, it makes sense. Uh, I and mean, the only thing that sort of goes, well, I mean, how's that, how does that work is is just, you know, you're naturally in, a, in an environment where... There's quite a few people and it's not like a, a comedy lounge or anything like that where people are at least sitting, where they're sort of contained yeah. you know, somewhat. You know, they might be, they might be rowdy still and, and in a bit of a heckling mood and, and drinking heavily and, and all that stuff, but they're kind of sitting down and sort of restricts them a bit. But when you're at a gig, like it's just, it just seems like there's a, a, this extra element of chaos. But as far as the crowd's concerned, absolutely. I mean, most, most people I know that listen to metal are massive comedy fans. And all, like, similar styles of com- comedy as well for the most part. And so yeah. it's it's a perfect crowd to, to perform in front of, absolutely. Yeah, so it, it's interesting. And obviously the separate stage certainly makes a difference, you know, just to try and see. With that one, it
1: made a huge difference, yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, someone in a dying fetus shirt isn't going to get upset about the content of a joke. It's pretty <laughs> – it's when there's grandmas in the audience that are worried.
0: <laughs> hey, what's the – so, so what's the, what's the biggest bomb that you've ever had, uh, you know, whether it be oh, a gig or, or otherwise?
1: Oh, no. It was um, in Melbourne, my first ever gig. Dad came over from Tasmania. I turn up to the venue, and it's probably, fuck, the size of two queen beds. <laughs> um, and there's my dad. He's about four foot away from me. There's maybe four punters and a few comedians around the side. And I just eat shit um, for a few minutes. This is years ago, and yeah. I wasn't very good at recovering. I got a few laughs and then started to eat it again. And it doesn't help that dad's as subtle as a fucking bull in a china shop. He's got his head in his hands, looking down, no. shaking his head, feet away from me. Um, yeah, and then that night, I was standing up at the stairs of the hotel, like, thinking, fuck, if there weren't bars up here, I would jump. I was it was so bad. Oh. first time anyone in my family had ever seen me. I just ate plates of shit. Now, I've had a few whoppers. Um, it happens a lot.
0: With that with that one? was it more of a case that you'd you'd put a lot of pressure on yourself because your dad was coming, or was it just a combination uh, of things that just sort of just didn't go didn't go the right direction?
1: Oh, I think if I didn't have him, you know three to four feet away, <laughs> visibly <laughs> shamed, um shaking his head unable to look at me, I think I probably would have done all right, but not great. Um, <laughs> but these days I don't give a fuck.
0: Have you ever put it back, like played it back in your head to think like what you would have done now, like with a lot more experience and confidence that if you're in that same situation, exactly the same room, same people, your dad's there as well. Would Have you, have you uh, replayed oh, that as like, I would have done something completely different.
1: I would have done a completely different set. Um, i- I, sh- I wouldn't have done the jokes, and even back then if even if I was still working with that material, I had better material that was better suited to that gig um obviously, now I wouldn't do any of that material, but yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. And I thought, oh it's because I'm too dirty, and then this chick got up after me and was filthy, <laughs> and um she got she killed it, yeah, and also girls in comedy have it harder than guys yeah because. Absolutely. There's a chauvinist – the audience is chauvinist, mm. chauvinistic. Um, and the moment a girl gets up, all the dudes in the audience, most of them go, oh, fuck, a chick comic. Mm. And i found that a lot uh, talking to mates of mine. Oh, I don't like chick comics. I say, well, who have you seen? Oh, the ones on the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. Well, yeah, I don't like them either. But <laughs> check some others out because just because they have a vagina and not a dick doesn't actually mean they're not any less funny. There's some fucking girls in Perth that are absolutely hilarious.
2: Oh, there's
0: somebody in Perth I know who's a comedian. I don't know whether you know her. Sarah Fertnell? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I yeah. know Sarah. That's, yeah.
0: uh, so Mark in our band, that's, that's his cousin. His cousin, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So I, I know, I know Sarah and we've, I'm
1: pretty sure yeah, I saw cool.
0: her. To stand up in Sydney, oh, years and years ago. I can't, can hardly remember. I was pretty sloshed that day, but anyway, that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, absolutely. but I, I came from I came from a lot of that. I mean, a lot of the comedians that I sort of grew up with and what was on TV and you know the Carl Barron era and and whatever was whatever was popular on the Footy Show was what you yeah. what you were into, and it was just mainly guys. And I think yeah. the the cream of the crop when it came to to female comedians was. Um, you know, whoever was on, like, Full Frontal and whatever, which were pretty funny. Um, yeah. Or if it was completely separate from TV and it was just, like, stand-up, it was, like, someone like Kitty Flanagan or whatever, which I oh, can't stand. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, but then when you'd see somebody, like, and I, f- I feel for, like, female comics because I don't think it's as bad these days as what it has been in the past, but some of them would have to try and overcompensate because they felt like they've already they're already in the back foot. So they're trying to catch up to like the baseline of where everybody else is just to convince the crowd mm. and then start doing material on top of it. And so I th- think
1: that's still the case, man.
0: Yeah. So, you know, there's certain things where you just go, oh, you like, you, you don't need to do that. Like it's just not necessary. But you can almost see this, this sense of panic where I just want to, I want to be in the conversation. And it's just like, ah, oh, you don't, you don't need to do it. And there's so many funny yeah. people out there now. And, and there always has been, but I think it's just, it's, I think people are getting a better platform now and a better opportunity to, to actually, you know, be in the conversation now rather than, rather than sort of fighting and, and screaming out for for a spot somewhere or, you know, a bit of the spotlight. Yeah. yeah.
1: I don't know. Though, it's, I mean, I saw Ari Shafir yeah. on the Friday and the Saturday yeah. when he was in Perth. And on the Friday, my friend Sean Conway supported mm. and um, killed it. And the crowd was good. And on the Saturday, my friend Sean Choice supported she got up and she had to overcome that immediately. What yeah. you're talking about? Yeah. The crowd was just auto- automatically, and she did fucking awesome. Mm. She had hecklers. She fucking put them in their place. She <laughs> killed it. I thought she did a really, really good job. Good job. But it's not fair that Sean got up, got to deliver his set and kill it. She got up, and the whole set's just peppered with fucking dickheads yelling shit out just because she's a woman.
0: Yeah, that's it. Like, and you know.
1: she's got. She's earned the right to be there, man. She's earned the right out of all the comics in Perth. She earned that spot. Shut the fuck up. That's it. So you got, you
0: got, you got the first guy who's got a green light, like a, a hall pass by, by everybody in, in the room. And the other person has to, has to prove themselves first before they even get into their, their routine. So as you said, like, you know, she's got a, you know, a percentage of her set now is distracted and has to focus on addressing hecklers, which, which can be quite funny. And you can take advantage of that, but you know, ultimately, you know, she's written material and she's written things that she wants to put out there and, and you know, that's being compromised because of dickheads, yeah. dickhead's judging
1: yeah. straight off the bat. Oh, don't get me wrong, she handled it like a boss. Yeah. She fucking put... She sorted it out. But, you know, I wanted to see her do her material that she worked so hard on. And it is... A, it, I fucking sound like a bit of a white knight here, but it does suck, man. <laughs> you know, and also something you do see a lot in comedy... Which wouldn't be surprising given the Cosby news and the Louis C.K. news is that chicks, um, girls that perform stand up get fucking hammered by dudes, mm. like they don't get treated very well. No, and um, I've kind of been a bit of used to it. I've been engaged, you know, I've been with my fiance for seven years, so I've never been trying to pick up. But I've, I've asked a few of my friends, and one of my friends, um, she's like, Oh, yeah, that the shorter list would be the amount of people who haven't had a go.
2: Mm. Ridiculous. Uh, it's crazy. Yeah.
1: I don't, I mean, yeah, I don't know. <sighs> Not a problem we've ever had, mate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I haven't. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, speaking of hecklers, have, have you, have you got a heckler that sort of sticks in your mind or one that you've, you've really done a good job mm. of just putting in their place?
1: i oh, I'm usually really good at it. Um, Really good at making them look like an idiot and turning it around. I, I, I love it, but one, oh, this fucking woman, she was heckling everybody, mm. and I think oh, five comics had had to, <coughs> sorry, had to abandon their set and just talk to her. <laughs> she was making the whole fucking night about her, and I got up, said a few jokes. She starts heckling, absolutely hammered. She's got a stuffed bear next to her. She's blaming it on the bear. That Whoa. wasn't me that yelled oh, that, at. That's pretty That funny. was Chester the bear. She's got a prop. Well, yeah. Yeah, she's got a prop. You know you fucked then. It's like the carrot top of hecklers. <laughs> um, but I, um, I went hard at this chick because she'd ruined the night for everyone performing. Before I got on, the, the MC walked off and fell on the floor with his head in his hands. He goes, I don't know what to fucking do. I don't know what to do about this bitch. And, um, I sorted it out. I mean, (laughs) I just, my my set ended with, I, I just abused her and said, you know what? We work fucking hard on these jokes. We work jobs we fucking hate. And we come here to perform and you've ruined this night for everybody. Fuck you, you fucking cunt. And I just, I, I normally don't, I'm normally a lot more tactful and actually try to make it funny. But this was just pure vitriol yeah. and her and her whole row got kicked out. And all, and I went around apologizing while simul- simultaneously being thanked by the comedians because they wanted her gone. Um, oh, yeah, that, not my finest work, but it was effective. <laughs> it was effective.
0: That's right. Well, and that reminds me of, um, you mentioned Steve Hughes earlier. I saw yep. him at the, well, I could butcher this a little bit, but I saw, I'm pretty sure it was a comedy store in Sydney, and this is going back quite a few years with a mate, and he, um, and similar, very similar set of circumstances, but it was a, it was a, a table of women, and they were probably in their twenties, and they'd all been drinking, and it might have been like a little mini hens night or whatever it was, and so they were just giving every comic grief throughout their set and they would just make like they'd throw a little one-liner in or they'd make a comment and then all the, the the comedian would get to their punchline and then they would like throw something off the back of that and try and distract the the attention their way and then you know the MC I hate these people already uh, by the way. Yeah yeah yeah. The MC like would come out in between the acts and do his thing but then also say now ladies you're a bit, I know you're, you're having a good night, blah, blah, blah. And he started off really sort of lighthearted to begin with and said, you know, you're having a good night, but just, you know, rein it in a bit. And then everyone had a bit of a chuckle, blah, blah, blah. But then by, before Steve got on the MC sort of had a bit more of a sterner word with them and said, look, girls, you really need to just be careful and just and show some respect, blah, blah. blah. And so, one of the one of them who was like the, the the alpha the alpha lady in the in the group um made a made a comment or something like that and she got a few boos from people in the crowd and and anyway they sort of let it go and so Steve came out and so they they piped down for for a little bit but then they started to throw little comments here and there and Steve was really good because he was just sort of he just he he had his he had his thing down so he was just going through his oh, yeah. his, his, his act and and going through different things and but then you could see that his eyes started to glance over every time these women were making comments. And he was brushing it off, brushing it off. And eventually, now I could be completely butchering this because this was quite a few years ago, but more or less, he stopped, he looked at them, and then he basically said something very similar to you along the lines of, you've been disrupting this entire night. Everybody here, everybody's paid money to be here to enjoy comedy. You obviously don't give a fuck about comedy. And you may have spent money to get here, and you know what? I'll make sure that you all get a free refund. You get a refund if you get the fuck out of here right now. And then they started. One of the girls in there started having a go at Steve and going, "Well, oh, well, you know, maybe if you are funny." Blah blah blah. And then uh-huh. and Steve said, "Steve just lost it. Yeah, like this this, <laughs> thing, this thing just like clicked in his head." And it got to a point where he's like. You're a bunch of fucking moles. You're a bunch of fucking cunts. Fuck off. Get the fuck. Fuck off. Fuck off. Fuck off. And then everyone's like clapping, and you could see them. I love Steve. They were they were smiling. They were smiling, (laughs) you that that fake smile, like, oh, we're stronger than this. And then you could see them start to get slowly broken down by Steve just like (laughs) abusing the fuck out of these women. And it's just like, get the fuck out of here, you. Fucking scum fucks blah, blah blah or whatever it was, <laughs> and so and so the guys from the comedy store came in to the table and basically got them to get up and walked out, and so it was this walk of shame through the room as they were led outside, and and everyone just got up and they were clapping and wh- wolf whistling and everything, and Steve just, he didn't he didn't smile he didn't smirk he was so fired up from this, and even when oh, they walked yeah. out he just he he apologized and just. And then he said, "I fucking hate fucking cunts like that. Fucking fuck them." Fuck and then he then he, he eventually got back into what he whatever he was uh, he was going through in his act. But I remember sitting there at one point, and it was sort of just escalated so quickly because it was just, "Oh, this is awkward." I and love then,
1: being in the room for that, man. I love it. It was I awkward. I love being in the room for those disasters. Awkward,
0: uncomfortable, and then it was just glorious. And It was just the best thing. This this euphoric moment where it's just like,
1: yes, justice
0: is served, and everyone just got together and got behind <laughs> Steven, like, yeah, yeah, you yeah, about pack of cunts, bro. get the fuck out of here. That's so funny.
1: <laughs> they didn't know what they were in for, man. Uh, That's like a uh, special needs kid fighting a ninja. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I like that.
1: <laughs> but I mean, it,
0: it, they they had every opportunity throughout the night, and they were really, like, despite them being totally disrespectful to the people on stage, but the people that had actually paid to go and see comedy. Yeah. That's the thing, man. Yeah. Everyone was super polite and tactful and really sort of respectful of them and gave them every opportunity to rein it in. And they just got worse and worse. And it was just this, as exactly what you said before about that lady you were telling me about where it was all about them. It wasn't about, it wasn't about the people around them. It wasn't about the people on stage. It was about them. It was about them yeah. having a good night and they were dictating the night and they wanted to make sure that they were the center of attention. And yeah,
1: and it just, <laughs> its it back- always
0: <laughs> and it backfired big time. And I'd love yeah. to, I'd love to know what those, uh, what those women talk about now and they re- reflect, if they can remember, because they're pretty off their tits at that. Oh, excuse the, excuse the <laughs> pun but, yeah, yeah, they, yeah, they were, they were completely off their rockers that night. And um, so I'm surprised if they'll remember it, but um, no, out, they probably haven't got nice things to say about Steve Hughes, <laughs>
1: which I think, I think Steve would um, be
0: very chuffed about.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. I think Ari Shafir summed it up. Somebody yelled out some nonsensical shit at his show, and he, and he just let it hang, and he goes, oh, there it is, man. That was your moment. And I just loved that. I thought, fucking, that's perfect, because that's all... All these people, you know, with hecklers as well, I'd say one out of every 15 adds to the show. Yeah. And you can tell who it is. It's somebody where you've had interaction with them before. There's been a back and forth, and then they've said something smart in response to something you've said. And it it works. It makes sense. But the rest of them is just that dickhead that wishes he could be a comedian. It's 99 times out of 100 it's a bloke. Yeah. Um, and wishes he could be a comedian but has no – ability to read or write, I'm assuming, so he just comes there in his ACDC shirt with his mullet and um, just yells out shit, and uh, yeah, votes for Pauline Hansen. Yeah. ain't cool, a <laughs> very stereotypical Queenslander here, but uh, I'm <laughs> assuming no i think i'm I think, assuming all of them have come from queensland yeah no way. i
0: think you've niched them i think niche them right down every time i've gone to a comedy show in sydney and there's been a heckler i yeah for sure they've been from queensland absolutely
1: <laughs> it's funny i say that because the best gig i've ever had was in cairns so oh, right. yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 I, yeah
0: i good is there even a is there even much of a comedy scene up that way
1: um, no, no, there's not. So basically a year ago, those guys, there's a bunch of guys that wanted to try stand up. So they just started their own scene, which I love. That's awesome. Um, they've just, they've got a couple of rooms. They're doing regional shows. They put together a show and went down to Adelaide. Um, they're called Guilt Free Comedy. Yep. So anyone of your fans that listens from up that way, check them out. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, it was cool, man. Uh, the, the thing is, like, a lot of the guys that were on the bill that night didn't do very well, but they're only a year in and they've probably, a lot of them might have only done six or seven gigs. Mm. Um, um, and I definitely did notice, and I'm, I'm not putting tickets on myself here. I think anyone that went from Perth over there could say the same that we're surrounded by killers here that have mm. been doing it for 10, 15 years, a lot of them. So, um, it was strange for me to actually get up and destroy like that because normally there's other people that, you know, you fuck, we can be on the bill with, we were on the, you know, Claire Hooper was on the same lineup and then you'd be on the same lineup as bloody Greg Fleet or, mm. um, ah, oh, blanking on his name, the guy with the mullet that sang on my bloke, Chris Franklin, oh, yeah. um, chopper. And you know, these sort of guys just appear on the bill and you're there with them
2: mm.
1: <laughs> and you got to try and do well with that fucking dude there. Yeah, but I don't you, know where I'm going with that. But do you find, like,
0: like, so just using that example of these regional guys that are just creating something themselves, which is so music scene, like DIY music scene, especially in regional, yeah, that's why regional I love centers, it. it's, it's exactly the same. And, I mean, if anything, from, you know, these guys who are pretty green and haven't done a lot of a lot of it, it's probably just as funny from a different perspective just to see people getting up there and just giving it a go. And even if it is a complete bomb... I think from an audience point of view, it's probably just as, I mean, it can be just as hilarious to see someone bomb as it is to someone that absolutely kills it as well. So it's probably like an element of um, of excitement around, you know, having a lineup full of a lot of green, you know, people that are new to that whole thing and, and still trying to find their
1: feet. Yeah, I'll be honest, that particular gig was a bit too bomb heavy. <laughs> <laughs> I think before me, there was one. there was one girl, I can't remember her name, I wish I could. Cause I'd give her props. She was great. Uh, the MC's name's Shad Wicker. He was awesome. Mm. There was another couple of dudes that were really good, but I think of the five or six that were immediately before me, probably four bombed horribly. (laughs) Um, and the guy before me, ate shit, almost probably the, on parallel with the worst I've ever seen. Um, (laughs) and, and I'm I'm not, I can't remember the guy's name and we've, I've had sets just as bad. So I'm not saying I'm any better or worse. Mm. Um, this was just his ba- his off night and he was new so he's getting faster and louder which is what everybody does when they when they're panicking um and then he basically abandoned the set and said um oh you guys are hating this um i'm just going to go and he looked like he'd just been told your whole family's dead like <laughs> his world was ending
2: oh, no. i got
1: up I got up immediately after and had the best gig I've ever had. It was the easiest show. <laughs> the, um, the, 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 the bar
0: was so low. <laughs> you couldn't Yeah, you know, I mean, up.
1: Yeah. I, and it sounds, I'm not trying to, at all. I'm not someone with a big head. It was just, it's like you've been playing, you know, say you've been playing NBA college basketball, mm. I'm not sorry, college level basketball in the States. And then you came home and played against the high school team here. Yeah. Um, you're going to be performing better, and that's all it was. Yeah. But there's a lot of talent there, and within the next sort of 12 to 18 months, man, it's uh, going to have a good really healthy scene up there. Yeah, for sure. And same thing we did in our band, you know, just going to make it happen.
0: That's it. Yeah. You just got to give, get started, and and that guy who bombed so bad, hopefully that guy just dusted himself off and he's probably still traumatised by by that by that gig. But, you know, hopefully he he keeps going and then that just becomes a a funny story that eventually, you know, he can he can fully laugh at. He might not be able to laugh at it completely just yet, but hopefully, you know, that just is something that was necessary for him. So no doubt, like, even when you've had your your moments where you've bombed, they've actually been you know, important because you've learnt things out of it, and you've become better as a comedian because you've you've had to go through that stuff. If it was smooth sailing all the way through, then you wouldn't you'd probably it'd probably be harder to deal with a bomb when it eventually happens because you're not used to it.
2: Yeah, it
1: is. Yeah, yeah. And I think um, if you're not bombing, you're not taking enough risks. You're not writing enough new shit because you've you've got to. You never know hmm. um, until you try it. And there's stuff. The stuff that I've done, and every now and then it just doesn't work, like stuff that I've done that works really, really well consistently, and then every now and then there's a gig where the people just don't like it. And the way I sort of explain it to some people is, uh, so y- y- you play in Lord, if you get up and play the songs, you play them well, and there's a certain percentage of the people in the crowd, of any given crowd, just say it's a random selection of people at a pub, hmm. a certain selection are going to like it, a certain selection are gonna be won over by the end of it. There's gonna be a certain selection that don't like it. Maybe they're into fucking Barry Manilow or some shit. <laughs> um, but when you're doing stand-up, you're doing it to. So it's like I've got um, a Kylie Minogue fan in the audience, and I've also got a Cannibal Corpse fan. Yeah, because you'll have grandmas, you'll have an eighteen-year-old dude, and you've you've really it's it's a living thing. You've got to change it to every kid because you never know who's there, and you you don't know how cool they are until partway through. So you kind of, it's it's weird, man. It's not like being in a band. Um, well, is It's it, so much more flowing.
0: Is it similar to, I mean, I'm just thinking, trying to find a parallel <clears throat> with it where, like, sometimes we'll play a particular show somewhere and we'll decide that we'll flick the set list around in a different order or we'll take particular songs <laughs> out for for a particular show because... I don't know, maybe maybe the size of the venue or the other bands that we're playing with on that lineup or, you know, the part of the country that we're playing in where we might we might create our own stereotype of what we think the fans are like there. And so we might remove particular songs or add particular songs in, or we might put a heavier song at the beginning of the set to really sort of have a have an immediate impact, or we might do something where it's a bit more epic with a long intro depending on people that know yep. us. So yep. I think you mentioned it earlier, like, you know, reflecting on that time that you bombed in Melbourne that you would have had you had other material that you could have used at that time but you didn't you chose to do different material. so have you got like this sort of back catalogue now over the last few years of doing comedy that you can pick things out and and shuffle them around depending on the venue depending on the lineup depending on the type of people that are going to be there in front of you
1: yeah yeah and you also learn how to um how to navigate things on the fly I've got I've got some bits that have sort of got a where if it, it's a it's a bit of a fucked up sort of premise. Um, I'll I'll just so I've got a bit where I say um, I think something the world needs is suicide pedophiles. Um, everyone gets a bit weird about that, obviously, <laughs> when I say that. Yeah, everyone and then I say, a
2: well,
1: up. Yeah, and I was like, look, before you write a blog, just let me explain. What I'm saying is, no one likes pedophiles. No one likes suicide bombers. But if we mix them together. You know, some cunt runs in and says, look, I've got a, a disc full of pictures of little boys, a Akbar, bang, 30 dead pedos. You know, no one's holding a memorial march for those cunts, are they? And sometimes I get laughs there. Sometimes <laughs> I don't. And when I don't, yeah. then I can turn that around and say, what, are you guys pro-pedophile? What the fuck's <laughs> wrong with you? So I've sort of worked out how to, no matter what the response is, I can sort of make it work. Yeah. And that's not one of my best jokes, but I think that was just kind of a good example of, you know, sort of learning those little tricks to um, you know, f- just fuck things around, and with me being I'm really filthy, so I've got to soften the edges um,
0: well, okay. which is hard, it gives you that, it's, it gives you that escape. <laughs> that escape route, like, you know, when, when something doesn't go as well as you're expecting, you've got something as a, as a tagline or as a, as that safety net, just in case it doesn't go well, then you can, you can end that off and cut it off very cleanly without it looking like, Oh, Oh geez, I've just bombed or I've just uh, hit a train wreck or something like that. You can just sort of brush it off in your stride and, and keep moving.
1: Yeah. And I kind of cheat too, man, because I, uh, I play some songs in my act. So if shit goes really pear shaped and it's an important gig, I just, Bring out the guitar (laughs) and that never fails Um, because I hate musical comedy. I fucking hate it.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, And it, it, I'm, but I'm, that's my strong, uh, the stuff I've got. I've got one song um, which is about being the only one at Scouts that wasn't molested and how, and the emotional damage that that's caused. And it's, it's completely horrendous, (laughs) but I shoot you not, no matter whether the crowd's been 70 or 17, it's never failed. And people are more receptive. Um, you know, like the, the chorus of it is so, Scoutmaster never touched me, Scoutmaster never loved me, Scoutmaster never made me feel pretty, and I guess that's why my self esteems so shitty. So the whole premise is, you know, <laughs> I just wasn't pretty enough, but everyone else was. Um, but it's weird being in music, you can get away with it. I've got another song about having a hemorrhoid. Um, I've got another song about Bill Cosby, and if you hide it in music, you get away with a lot more. <laughs> oh, fire
0: out. <laughs> Have you ever thought about putting together uh, like an album?
1: Yeah, I'm actually going to do an EP. Oh, man. Yeah. Just of, um, uh, Well, actually, it is going to be an album, but it's going to be half comedy songs and half metal songs. Yeah, cool. Because I've um, been recording metal songs ever since the, the band split up, but... Yeah. Um, it's it's a matter of money. Like I'm putting money into stand up and the podcast. I don't really have the money to hire a session drummer and all this sort of stuff. So it's just, uh, yeah. That's right. at least
0: so go, you're not short of yeah. an idea. You got you got things to you got things to do.
1: Oh fuck yeah, too many. <laughs> <laughs>
0: all right. Well, before we wrap it up, I've got to ask you about uh, the podcast as well. So hopefully yep. people have already listened to the to the part one. Um, yep. but if they haven't, um, yeah, you know, the podcast has been up and running for a few months now. Like it's, it's up to episode 26, but are you doing them weekly or
1: what's the, it's, what's it looking so, like? um, it's, yeah, it's the Hypermanic Noise podcast. It's going to, it's weekly, but I also do interviews for the faction radio. Um, in my opinion, best, uh, online metal station in Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do a lot of short radio style interviews for that, which have been podcast episodes, but now they're not going to be. Yep. So there'll be the podcast with guests like yourself. Um, if I talk to a band like we've chatted today for an hour and we sit down and really get into it, then that's on the podcast. If we're talking a radio 15-minute spot, all of right. those interviews are now going to be released. Um, in a. So it'll still come up in the podcast feed, but they'll be called the um, Heavy Metal Chat Room. So nice. there'll be the short interviews I've done with uh, Revocation, Sink the Ship, Amorphous. Um, fuck, uh, six, uh, there's been a bunch of, uh, alien weaponry from New Zealand, bunch of those guys. So all of those short interviews are now going to be in this, uh, in a, ev- so basically follow hypermanicnoise.com. There'll be your podcast episodes and then be, there'll be the heavy metal chat room episodes, which are, Shorter style radio interviews with all um, overseas bands.
0: I reckon it's cool. I reckon, I reckon yeah. it's, it's like a, an in between episode, a little bite sized thing, and it's with it's with you know somebody that's a high profile personality, and it's it's cool, and it just I think it you know it's some as you said it's sort of like that radio style interview where you're probably asking. You know, the same kind of questions, and you've got, you know, you're doing it on behalf of the faction as well. Um, yep. but it's still, it's still you and it's still your personality, and you're still the one that's communicating and it's part of that podcast. So I think it's, I think it's awesome that you've been able to blend them together. I think it's really, really important, and I think that'll pay off down the track. I saw online the other day you got stood up by Derek from Sepultura.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, There was an issue with the, um, internet. Yeah. Couldn't get through. It. Yeah. I just thought it was funny to say that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> is that is that going to happen, or is the window now uh, now passed?
1: Oh, I'm waiting to hear back. I there a lot of them. You hear the day before. Yeah. Right. Um, it's like get up at six thirty in the morning, and I think fuck. But yeah, Pricey and I started out together. We went to the same music industry workshop with yeah. the Butterfly Effect in two thousand and four. I think it was, and um, we met there and put on some shows and. We've been mates ever since we've always helped each other out so I'm trying to help the faction he's trying to help out the podcast and you yeah, know it's good I mean, you know all these interviews air on the faction, but if anyone wants to check them out they can just download them whenever they want and uh, I also like the idea now that there's a sep- a definite line between the podcast episodes and the others because they're very different animals. the podcast is uh, a lot more fucking zany than <laughs> than those
0: it's much more. It's much more what podcasts are all about, whereas the other ones are, you you, you use the term sort of a radio style, radio format thing. So, you know, podcasts is, is really, I mean, for the most part, and there's different types of them out there, but I think, you know, my whole sort of approach with it's always been shooting the shit and just see where it goes. And, and if you do end up, you know, going down a rabbit hole or off on, off on the beaten track, then, then that's okay. It doesn't really matter because you sort of, you work your way through it and, and that's what makes it interesting. It's like just sitting around drinking beer and and talking shit for for an hour or so. So it's it's really good. But I never thought, like, when you brought up pricey again, and for everyone listening, we're talking about Tim Price, who has been on the podcast previously. I would never have thought that when I started this podcast that I would have, including myself, three people represented from Campton <laughs> on the podcast. It's just like, yeah. Mind blowing. So maybe I need to need to find a few more people. Maybe I need to find that guy who's got that uh, that cleaning service and get him on. Get John Barry on. Get John Barry on. <laughs> maybe I don't want to. I don't know. He sounds like he's got a bit of a reputation uh, with this whole seat yeah. sniffing thing. But um, oh, yeah, I'll have to I'll have to pick your brain about somebody else because I won't name the name. Actually, I won't. Oh, yeah, I won't name the name. But there was somebody that I believe ended up going to. Frenchville, uh, sometime I think they were previously at Park Avenue, and they had a reputation of um, <laughs> how do I how do I articulate this? Um, grabbing other boys' genitals, and he had really long fingernails and would try and pierce. Your genitals with his hand. Holy shit. And was is a kid? Yeah, yeah. And he, and I remember that he left, <laughs> he left Park Avenue, went to Frenchville, was so happy that he left. I was like, oh, good riddance. He's gone. Thank God. So. <laughs>
1: what year was this? Because there was one uh, creepy kid that appeared.
0: I, ah. Uh, I'll, I won't narrow it down, so I'll, I'll I'll tell you I'll tell you off air, and uh, we'll see we we'll if there's a mutual acquaintance there or a mutual knowledge we, of this person. Well,
1: our uh, our ground, groundskeeper was a child molester no. at Frenchville, no. so that's not great. No. Oh, and then um, I found out my uh, high school physics teacher and I went to Heights College, which was ten out of ten religious, like wow. speaking in tongues, singing Jesus songs for forty five minutes every day, the whole box and dice. Um, so anyway, one of my teachers who I played basketball with, I played in the Adults League when I was at high school, and every time he'd miss a shot, oh, darn, oh, shoot. It was just it was so repressed, and he just felt dishonest, and he was always dodgy and sort of flirty with this chick in my class, and I never liked a cunt. And then all these years later, he got done with 1,300 images and 300 videos of child porn. Wow. And uh, his excuse was he was looking for pictures of women's breasts, and it got out of hand. Now, <laughs> no. now, let me say, I'm it's sure you've been in the same boat. Yeah, I don't want to incriminate you here, Andy, but I've seen quite a few pairs of tits on the internet in my day. Never once come across a child. I think you have to look for that shit. I think I
0: think <laughs> you may have to type in some different
1: words. He never have. went to jail. Oh, really? That fucking Damn. piece of shit. Well, Mark Nielsen, give him a shout out. He deserves a shout out. <laughs> oh, Fuck <shit>. him. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, man, I think... Um, I think I think we've both got some interesting stories. I mean, man, not that I want to paint not that I want to paint Rockhampton in a bad light, because there are some nice things from Rockhampton. But oh man, beef, beef, yeah, yeah, <laughs> Brahmin bulls, you know, um, yeah. yeah,
1: that's about it. Yeah,
0: yeah no, the the basketball courts over at Southside, yeah, um, they were all right. I'll yeah, give them that. The yeah, Rockets, yeah, I, yeah, I played Rockets. for the junior Rockets, uh, you know, They represent Toledo. Um, Toledo, yeah, we had the, Toledo, uh, the Panthers, and yep. uh, yeah, there's a few others. I was there.
1: in Frenchville, whatever the fuck we were. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So we uh, were the
1: Rockets. Yeah,
0: yeah the Rock- and and the Rockets were so the main Rockhampton team, like the the, sort yep. of the adult team, and then they had the the younger divisions underneath. But you had to be shit hot to be in that team. So there you go. You must have had some.
1: Uh, uh, no, 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 know? no. I was in the the B team. Oh, the B team. <laughs> I think. Yeah. So that was basically just any kids that kept training. Um, you feel the quote. And I wasn't bad. Yeah, I was alright. I could I was a decent point guard, but I couldn't shoot. I was good at distributing the ball and getting it around, but couldn't shoot well enough. Big, and and the three, short white and fat. Yeah, you know?
0: oh me too, man. And and you, me, and and Pricey as well, all all played yeah. all played hoops at those courts as well. So there you go. It comes yeah, I know,
1: and look where it got us. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> who
0: would have thought? Three three little fat white kids in, in central Queensland.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think uh if it um Well it's funny, I had a couple of guys that went pro, uh Stephen Way went to play with the um the Perth team and I think he's with the thirty sixes now. I wow. believe. Right. Wow. Yeah, he was i played against him a lot, and there was another couple of guys who I'm blanking on their names. Um yeah, yeah, it's wow. crazy.
0: I know, I know. Um, the bullets used to come up quite a bit back in the day and do some. I don't think it was like exhibition games for the NBL, but I think the bullets came up and did, or they, or they sent up their reserve grade or whatever it was, and and did some games with uh, with the with the rockets. But um, and I know that there was a few guys that were going down to Brisbane and doing stuff with, like you know, must have been the training camps with the bullets and, and whatever. So I think it was. I think it was a pretty good culture for for a regional town, like it, I think there was quite a bit of talent there, and, and it was the 90s as well, like the mid-90s was just huge for basketball, so it was just this obsession oh, yeah. that was just everywhere and going to Watson. I did
1: a, um, uh, what do you call it, a basketball clinic with Andrew Gaze and Leonard Copeland oh, just outside of Rocky.
0: Oh, that would have been great. Yeah.
1: Oh, dude, one of the best days of my life. i got
0: going to get those two guys on the podcast. Yeah, man, hit them up. Yeah, I should do it. I should do it. Anyway.
1: That's uh, you've inspired me to do the same. There's a few guys that I've been wanting to hit up, and I've been too scared. And I thought, fuck it, let's do it. Yeah,
0: why not? Throw it in. I mean, the worst they can say is no. I tried to hit up Luke Longley over your way. Um, I had to go through his brother, who owns a a landscaping business or something like that. And he and it was really awkward because he's like he must get hassled so much because Luke's like <laughs> totally private. He's got no contact details anywhere, and um, he must just get hassled so much about his brother. And, and anyway. He passed it through, and I got shot down. And um, there's a few other people I try to get a try to get a hold of as well. You know, old nostalgic '90s NBL guys or NBA guys, Aussie NBA guys, and and um, yeah, man, the worst that can happen is that they just don't reply or they give like a really sort of blunt response, and you just go, eh, whatever, move on.
1: Yeah, I've got a bit of a um, bit of a lead on Kevin Bloody Wilson, oh, and I really nice. want to chat to him because I, I want to. Well, yeah, I want to chat to him about you know coming up. You sort of, fuck, man, Australia's behind the eight ball in a lot of ways. In metal, it was 10 years behind. I think we've caught up over the last sort of 15 to 20 years we've caught up. But, uh, you know, back in the day, we were behind with everything. With stand-up, you know, to be a guy that's had a career that long and still fucking sells out everywhere he goes, it's fucking crazy, man.
0: Yeah, he would have had to cop a lot of shit over the years because I mean, hell, he's been doing it for what thirty odd years, probably longer than that. Probably more, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, if you get him, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll definitely be tuning
1: in for that one for sure. Yeah, I, I, I'm gonna give it a whirl. He's a mate. He's a mate of my friend. He's uh, a comedian over here, Mick Gledhill. So, see so yeah, how we go.
0: Throw the hat in the ring, mate.
1: Yeah, there's a, another guy I'll um t- chat to you about at the end of the podcast that um I'll uh give you the word on as well that oh, i think that would be cool. very interesting for your show
0: oh ooh, okay teasers all right love it mm. i love it all right well we'll wrap it up because i know you got a, you got some roller skating to do
1: <laughs> yeah of all things i the missus has never learned to roller skate she grew up on a farm so um you know being from central queensland we could roller skate from one side of the town to the other in a day um <laughs> so i'm about to fucking go and show her my skills There you go.
0: I mean, yeah, we, we didn't get car licenses when we turned, you know, or came of age. (laughs) We got roller skate licenses. So it was just a mandatory thing. Yeah. Or you go to zone three over in South Rockhampton and play. Play zone Three, or
2: whatever.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I could well, drop them all in. I'm, I'm trying to hold all myself the back. references.
1: <laughs> There's going to be a whole five listeners that get it. I was going to say I
0: need to I need to increase my Rockhampton uh, audience first, and then I'll I'll do a Rockhampton uh, episode, and we'll actually. Oh man, that's an idea. We'll we'll get a few of us together at some point. We'll try and uh, cross paths somewhere in the country, have a few beers, and we'll try yeah, and make yeah. sure we've got a, a little bit of a Rockhampton uh, listenership uh, tuning in, and we'll we'll just throw every every name drop in every street and every crazy person and every uh, TV ad and every shitbox in that,
1: in that town. I'll, I'll just give you, a, this is a bit of an, a trailer, right? Mm, right? When I moved to Perth, I was selling my house. Mm. Um, now, within in the month leading up to me selling my house, one day I knock on the door and these kids say, your fence is on fire. <laughs> I run out the back. My compost heap's on fire yeah. and it, the fire's now spreading down the fence and my neighbours are putting it out with a hose. I said, what the fuck happened? Did the kids do it? No, the old bitch over the back didn't want the weeds in a yard anymore, set them on fire, and that caught your fence on fire and here we are. So that <laughs> happened. The um, That was behind me. Now, diagonally behind me, one day – uh, I'm on the phone to my friend saying, oh, I'm moving to Perth soon. I can't wait to get out. Their car explodes. The kid had been playing with a lighter in the car and set the car on fire. <laughs> um, the house directly to my right, the day after I put the for sale sign up, had a five-car swarm on it for drug dealing. <laughs> and the house, to the, there was two houses, two units on the other side. One is where famed serial killer Leonard Fraser lived oh, um, wow. up until he was arrested. And the other, they used to steal clothes off my washing line. So that's Rockhampton in a nutshell. Just the peoples directly around my house.
0: Wow. Okay. All right. We're gonna we're gonna leave it hanging here because I've got to also uh, we'll have to we'll have to do a part three sometime down the track because um I I even wrote down to talk about some of the um some of the. Some of the religious experiences that you've had uh, over the years, and, oh. go- and and I thought, oh, I was I was looking at the time, I thought, oh man, we we do not have time to go down this. <laughs> so I think um, I think we'll do a part three sometime down the track. Cause yeah, it's, for sure, uh, man. And and leaving a cliffhanger like that, uh, oh man, there's there's so well, there's so many places we could go with that.
1: That's that's rocky. I mean, that that's just the people around my house in the two years I lived there. And I mean, how long did you live there? Fuck, man. <laughs> oh,
0: I, I was I was there for about five years in total. But, uh, and <laughs> that's I, long enough. That, yeah, I, I mean, I got a. Pr- I mean, you know, that, that's um. When did I leave there? Ninety six. So you know, we're we're what are we like? 20, well, you got out 20, just in twenty, 20 two years later, and it's still fresh in my mind. Yeah, yeah, scarred.
1: It's, <laughs> it's like it's one of those things that it's it's such a backwards, fucking crazy place. Once you get into that's where Pauline Hansen got off the ground, and you just talk about all that shit, the weird history there. Like, there's so many serial killers and rapists come from there. It's like, yeah, it's uh, even people that have never heard of the place would find a podcast about all that shit interesting, because it's a bit like hell on earth. Well, you know about that, right? When you look from Mount Archer down onto the city, the lights spell hell. No, I didn't know that. <laughs> if you if you Google it, it's a bit faint because they've changed some of the lighting patterns. Uh, but right. you can see it. It used to be a lot more clear. But, yeah, it used to spell hell. <laughs> and we found that funny. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Uh, between oh, – yeah, anyway. No, I'm not going to go on a rocky, rocky thing because I've got – there's so many one-liners I've got now. But I think um, <laughs> I'll, I will wrap it up on this because I know, you know, you've been – heavy in the comedy the last few years and you're doing really well and you know getting getting a lot of good opportunities and and you know you you're telling people like bill burr that you know you'll be supporting him one day <laughs> and and i think you know what's going to really oh. come full circle <laughs> sorry mate i had to throw that <laughs> but what's going to come full circle one day is when you eventually go back to rocky and you do stand up at the pillbin theater there and i think that's where you'll yeah. you'll hit the that that's where you know anything that happens past them won't, won't even matter that's that's the pinnacle
1: yeah, you know what, man? That, I've thought about that a lot. I've never – I haven't been back there in a number of years, and the last time I went back was for a murder trial, and the time before that was to record tap phone calls. So it's like I, I, I'm looking forward to going home, and um, myself and a couple of comedians over here, Mick Gledhill and Br- Bruno Oliveira, they're both um, rural State finalists. We're going to do a tour off Queensland next year, so we're going to do Brisbane to Cairns, and um, just, yeah, hit – Every spot on the way, do a couple of weeks and just bang it out.
0: Well, man, from from going there to to tapping phone calls and then going back to the murder <laughs> trial, as um, as the great Yaz always said, the only way is up. And you know, I yeah. think you know, there's there's uh, there's it's only going to get better from here. So hopefully, uh, the next time you step foot in town, it'll it'll be a better experience. <laughs>
1: oh, oh, hey, man! At least uh, yeah. Well, I had to explain what a sick cunt was. Yeah. On the jury, like on the on the stand. <laughs> What's the difference? Like just, can you please explain yeah, to like the, the jury? Because or the, the, yeah, because the... I said to – in one of my messages, I said, I love you, man, you're a sick cunt. And the guy in the wig's like, can you explain what you meant when you said Mr. So-and-so is a sick cunt? <sighs> and then – had to explain that, but yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> so yeah, hopefully like, next time like, I can just
2: <laughs> oh,
1: sorry.
0: No, I was going to say it sounds like the Zuckerberg trials where he's trying to explain the internet to the to the senators <laughs> in the US or something. Please explain yeah. this internet thing to me.
1: Tell me about six. Yeah, cunt. well, yeah. next time I'm hoping I can just be a sick cunt and yeah, not have sick. to explain any of that, and Absolutely. that'll be enough for me. Hey it. man, Go thanks so story. much. Hey, I really appreciate it, and um, I loved having you on my show. Definitely. Come back on for episode fifty if you want. Yeah,
0: done. Done. Let's lock it in. Sweet. All right. Enjoy the ride. All right, man.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I'll uh, try and take some video. It's <laughs> gonna be impressive. <laughs> <laughs> done. Awesome. Alright, All man, take, take care. care. Yeah, see you then. Bye. Yeah.
0: Thank you, thank you, thank you, everyone. If you want to reach out to Hayden, aka Douglas Harvey, you can do so via Facebook by searching uh, Douglas Harvey, I'll spit that one out, Andy, um, or just typing in facebook.com slash Douglas. You can also find uh, him on Instagram and Twitter by searching Old Mate Douglas. Um There is also a Bands in Town link. So if you use Bands in Town, and I haven't used this for ages, but it's a really cool app, um, you can go to bandsintown.com slash douglasharvey, and I'm sure he'll have all these comedy dates there. Um, If you want to check out the podcast as well, Hypermanic Noise, you can go to Hypermanic Noise, and that's with the Z N O I Z E dot com, and uh, I'm sure you can search for it on your preferred podcast player as well. But as always, everything that we discussed will be in the show notes over at andysocial.net, so please go and have a gander, go and check it all out, and please reach out to Hayden, aka Douglas. I never know what to call you, mate. I've got no idea. But anyway, go and reach out to him if you, if you dig his stuff and you think he's funny. I'm sure he'd love to hear from you, and uh, yeah awesome, awesome guy. Really, really cool guy. Okay, enough of me. Um, if you want to support the podcast, as always, all the social media love, you know how it works. Uh, leave reviews anywhere on the internet. Don't care. If you want me to see it, um, shoot me a screenshot of the review. I'd love to personally thank everybody for doing that kind of stuff. So you know, if you've got to spare a spare couple of minutes to leave a review and an extra couple of minutes to do a screenshot and send it to me, that would be fantastic as well. Um, merch, andysocial.net you can shout me a beer via andysocial.net using the paypal link um there's heaps of stuff whatever it is i don't care you're listening to me crap on now and that's all that matters so thank you so much until next week guys take care Ta-ta.
2: larry larry please